Ecclesiastes started with vanity of vanities under the sun. This bleak, seemingly hopeless reality that all things come to an end, nothing seems to fulfill us. It, it felt dark. But as we've gone through, I hope that you've also seen that that's, that's not the primary message of Ecclesiastes. It's primarily a bleak backdrop against which the light of the hope of the gospel can really shine. That darkness that we felt in vanity of vanities, of, of not being able to hold on to anything, of grasping after the wind, all set up a reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ being a real substantial thing. And not only that, Ecclesiastes throughout has also showed us that these, these limitations on life actually concentrate and energize the goodness of life. They make clearer the things that matter most, the things that we're to give our lives to, to invest in, to put our hopes in, and to, to really enjoy with gratitude to God. Now, as Ecclesiastes draws to a close, it turns a page from life under the sun to life above the sun. Chapters 1 through 10 focus on that, that separation between reality with God and a reality without God at its center. This reality of defined by mortality, defined by, by vanity. And then chapters 11 and 12 shift and begin to take a really focused look at what is life above the sun like? What is life in reality with God, that non-vain, hopeful, bright, joyful reality that, that's so different than life under the sun? But even early on in Ecclesiastes, it, it doesn't hide its intention to lift our eyes. And throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, it, it hasn't hidden its intent to lift our eyes above the sun. This isn't a bait and switch at the end of the book. There have been hints dropped throughout and nudges of our attention toward reality with God. And in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, it says that God has put eternity in our hearts. Well, that's a massive statement. And what is that getting at? What that's saying is that we are image bearers of God. We are designed by God to be satisfied by only things that are eternal, that are God-sized and God-shaped. So eternity in our hearts, I mean, this is early in the book, is saying, well, of, of course everything under the sun is vanity because it's not eternal. All of this is passing away, so there must be something more for us. And just a few verses later in chapter 3 and verse 14, Ecclesiastes says, what God does endures forever. So when you see eternity in our hearts and what God does endures forever, you have, you have this pairing of we can only be filled up by what is eternal. And what are those things? They are the works of God. We are designed to only be satisfied by the works of God. Nothing under the sun can satisfy us. So everything that we're yearning after and striving after under the sun is chasing after the wind. When we pursue the things of God, we are pursuing the things that are meant to satisfy us. So now we're at the place of, okay, what do we do with that? Where does that leave us? What does it mean to pursue the things of God? And Ecclesiastes doesn't leave us hanging. Chapter 12, verse 13, the next to last verse in the entire book, gives us the answer. It says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Those are the closing words of Ecclesiastes. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So let's look through that together. Let's start with that first phrase, fear God. 
throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. We've seen it pop up. We've looked at it as a, as a context, as a mindset, as a frame of heart for us. But let's give it our full attention right now. What does it mean to fear God? If these are the closing words of the book, if this is the summary verse that says, in light of Ecclesiastes, do this, we really need to understand what fear God is. So fearing God ultimately, at its basis, is living as if God is real. It's living as if God is who he says he is. So if God says, I am patient, I am kind, I am loving, I am abounding in steadfast love, I am slow to anger, I do not change, I will not leave you or forsake you, fearing God means believing that God is who he says he is and will do what he says. Because fearing God means taking God's word as our authority, our moral authority, as inerrant, as flawless. So this book, this word of God, is to be taken as the very words of God for us as his followers. That is fearing the Lord. But of course, when we hear a phrase like, fear the Lord, fear is not usually seen as a good thing in our society, in our world. Generally speaking, we're trying to overcome fear. We're trying to push fear away. We're, we're not we're not thinking of, ooh, let's lean into the fear. That sounds healthy. So there has to be an understanding of fearing the Lord that's separate from being afraid. This is not being afraid of a rabid dog who might attack at any point or an, you know, an unstable, abusive relative who might lash out at any point. This isn't that kind of fear where we walk on eggshells around God. Think of it this way. Fear of the Lord is more like being out on the open sea and being in absolute awe and wonder at the expanse, at the power, at the beauty, at the overwhelming reality of what is all around you. Now, of course, the sea is unpredictable. And so it's not exactly like that, but there's just that welling up in your soul of awe at the thing around you. Fearing God has some of that in it. But that's paired with this unbelievable comfort at the reality of who God is as, as a forgiver, as a loving father, as somebody who will not abandon his children, who will never let his sheep go. So we pair this kind of heart, you know, palpitating awe with this comfort of the reality of the goodness of God. That's fearing the Lord. And now we get to keep his commandments. So we start with fear God, now we get to keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, when you hear keep his commandments, you're probably thinking of very specific things. You've got the Ten Commandments. Uh, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Sure, those are part of God's commandments. This is a comprehensive statement of do the things that God has said for you to do. Be the kind of person that God has said for you to be in his word. His commandments are very clear in this book. But let me just pause and look at two of them, two of the commandments that help sum everything up. And I know that it helps sum everything up because Jesus said so. Jesus lays out the first and second greatest commandments. And the first is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible goes on to explain that loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which actually sounds a lot like fearing the Lord, and loving your neighbor as yourself 
fulfilled the whole law. If anybody did these two things, they are following the whole law of God. They're following all the commands. They're loving their neighbor properly. They are representing Christ properly. So when Ecclesiastes says, fear God and keep his commandments, it's that comprehensive obeying God properly and treating the world around us properly according to his word. Now, this is not a burdensome thing on you. When we hear commandments, we, it, we tend to think of almost, you know, kind of having the whip cracked on us and, oh, I've got to do these things. This is what happens when we fear the Lord. Keeping his commandments is a natural outworking of fearing the Lord. If we have a right understanding of who God is and who we are, we will move towards obedience to God. We will respond in a way that loves the Lord and loves our neighbor. And that brings us to the third part of this verse. For this is the whole duty of man, or this is the whole duty of humanity. Now, when you hear this, you, it probably comes across initially as like our marching orders. We think of duty in almost military terms. This is a responsibility. Fear God and keep his commands for this is our responsibility. And there's, there's an element of that here because there is, there is something to be said for obedience, doing the things that we're called to. But this started with fearing the Lord, and then it says the whole duty. So the emphasis here is not on do these things, but on how following this, this path, this verse, actually makes us whole. Because fearing God and keep his commandments is finding the fulfillment that we could not find anywhere else in all of the stuff of Ecclesiastes. Not in wisdom, not in justice, not in wealth or fame or power, not in our work. None of those things fulfilled. We've, we've explored that. But the whole duty of man, doing the things that we were made to do, being the person that we were made to be, is found in fearing God and keeping his commandments. Now, all that sounds great, but if I was in your shoes hearing me say this, my thought would be, but how? How am I supposed to do this? That sounds like a burden that I cannot bear. I don't know how to fear God and keep his commandments, which means I cannot fulfill the whole duty of man. I cannot be made whole. I can't find satisfaction. Friends, this is when we need to remember that Ecclesiastes is a dark backdrop against which the gospel of Jesus Christ can shine. So fear God and keep his commandments is not a burden that we can't bear. It's pointing to what Jesus Christ has already accomplished and what he can accomplish in us. It is a verse not just about what we must do, but about what Christ can do in us. Because Jesus Christ is the one who has already fulfilled the whole duty of man. When he lived a perfect life and he obeyed every command of Christ and he fulfilled the law and he was sinless, that was fearing God and keeping his commands. He lived that life perfectly. And that's what enabled him to be the flawless sacrifice for our sins, for all of the ways that we can't fulfill this. He fulfilled the Old Testament requirement of a perfect sacrifice. Except in the Old Testament, sacrifices had to be done repeatedly, and Christ was the sacrifice once for all to bring us to God. He did that because he fulfilled the whole duty of man. And by being the perfect sacrifice, he became our righteousness. 
And that means that for any who believe in Jesus Christ, when God looks at us, he doesn't see all of the ways we don't measure up. He doesn't even see our best efforts. He sees the perfect, completed work of Jesus Christ having fulfilled the whole duty of man. So this verse is about Christ. And not only did he do all of that, he then made a way for us to be in relationship with God. So by being a sacrifice and by being our righteousness, he has made a way for us to draw close to God, to move from being defined by under the sun limitations to close relationship with the eternal Holy Father. And what is more, because there's always more with Jesus, you don't run out. He not only made a way for us to be in relationship with God, he paved the way and brought the Holy Spirit into the lives of all who follow him. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus Christ in all who believe. So what does that mean for us? The Holy Spirit is our teacher, our counselor, our helper, the one who convicts sins and saves souls. So that means that Christ made a way for us to obey the command to fear God and keep his commandments. So not only did Christ fulfill the command, he made us right with God, he became our righteousness, he opened up a door to relationship with God, and he gave us his very presence in the Holy Spirit so that we too can obey this commandment. Friends, some books of the Bible teach the lessons of Jesus. Some of them tell the stories of Jesus. Some of them prophesy about the coming of Jesus. A book like Ecclesiastes highlights our need for Jesus. Never in the entire book do we see the name of Jesus mentioned. But that absence, that void, actually makes obvious why Jesus Christ is necessary in our lives. The bleakness of under the sun is a declaration of we need Jesus Christ because Otherwise, it is hopeless. Otherwise, nothing lasts. Nothing is eternal. So friends, this book is a book about Jesus Christ, even though it doesn't mention him. It pushes our attention to Jesus. And this command, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, is an echo toward the work that Jesus would do and for us that Jesus already has done. So in Christ, we're able to fulfill this command. We're able to fulfill the whole duty of man. Not because of us, we know we're not capable, but because of what Christ has accomplished and what the Holy Spirit can do in us. And that means that this side of heaven, life under the sun, we're not just living life under the sun. We do live life in this world, but we have a foot above the sun. We have a foot in the eternal reality of renewed, glorious, joyful, fulfilled life with God. That's what Ecclesiastes wants us to see. It's not hopelessness. It's that while we are living life on this earth, under the sun, defined by mortality, in the midst of vanity, we need Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we have eternal hope, hope of the resurrection, hope of a renewed reality, and hope of eternal joy and fulfillment because that's what he promises, because he has fulfilled the whole duty of man already.